This holiday season, we all wish for hope and healing. Children and families who spend their holidays at the hospital deserve a reason to believe in first steps, in giggles, high fives, and hugs. For 150 years, Children's National Hospital has provided world-class care and groundbreaking research. Please donate today to help patients and healthcare heroes this holiday season. Visit childrensnational.org slash holiday. That's childrensnational.org slash holiday. The Traveler's Inn, written by Travis I. Sivart, narrated by Travis I. Sivart. Episode 3, Not Going Back Home. The sun was shining and birds were singing as the four approached the village, a dark forest looming behind the collection of huts and houses. Reminds me of home, Moistbanks said, hunching his shoulders and shoving his hands into his pockets. You must have had a horrible childhood, Moist. Gunther checked the hand-and-a-half broadsword on his back again, then the long dagger on his hip. No, not really. It was okay. The kid shrugged, his pants bobbing with emotion. And I prefer if you call me Manx. Moist is just a descriptor. Angry father. Abusive mother? Gunther asked. Nope. Mother always said I could be anything I wanted to. And Papa would tell me how proud he was of me when I did anything. They really wanted me to be a warlock, though. Summon the Dark Lord, commune with the underworld, and all that. That's sweet. I know parents can be judgy people, always adding pressure and expectations. Did you hide your bug collections from them? Luna asked. No. Didn't need to, Banks sighed. <sighs> They'd buy me extra pins and canvas. Said it was worth it, because I might be able to help people with what I learned. Is that why you always dress in black? Luna said sympathetically, and put a comforting hand on his shoulder. No, he shrugged the hand away. It's because it's slimming, and I was a chunky kid. Always had to wear husky-sized breeches and tunics. Ah, I see, Moist, Gunther crowed. Then your parents locked you away and refused to feed you because you were an embarrassment because you were a fatty. Gave you oatmeal without sugar until you slimmed down. No, Manx shouted. What is wrong with you people? Why do you so want my parents to be monsters? I hit a gross bird and got skinny. They fed me normal stuff and said they loved me no matter what I looked like. And it's Manx! They moved along the dusty road in silence for a while. Then Gunther tried again. So, they died horribly? The barbarian asked. Oh, my gods! Really? No, they're still alive and running the family taxidermy business that has been handed down from my father's father and his father before him. All the local nobility purchases from them for their stuffed stags, filled pheasants, posed possums, and billowing bison. <sighs> Manx huffed and shoved his hands further into his pockets. Come on, guys. Moggets came to the defense of the lad. He had a normal... Hold on. Posed? Possums? People purchase posed possums? Yeah, it's a favorite where I come from. 
fighting possums, bathing possums, possums at tea, possums playing Parcheesi, you know, all the regular requests. Manx shrugged. Uh, all the regular requests? Luna hesitated. Are there not regular requests? Yeah, you know how rich people are. They find a trend, get one, then someone else gets one, and the next one tries to do one better. Soon the poor possums are an endangered species and everyone is eyeing the armadillos, thinking they look like possums in armor. The group fell silent again, small puffs of dust rising and falling with each step. My parents, Luna said, trying to fill the silence, sold me to the church when I was a girl. Not because I was a girl, but because they got twelve silver for me, and they needed to eat. Really? Gunther looked at her. You can get that much for a little girl? Were you pretty back then or something? What? Luna spun to face the barbarian. You know what? You really are a pig. Just because you don't find me attractive doesn't mean... Just because they sold me doesn't mean... The woman fell silent, huffing and red-faced. He's intimidated by you, Mogget smiled. What? Luna and Gunther said at the same time. I am not. The barbarian drew his shoulders back, thrusting out his bronze chest. Sure you are, Mogget waved a hand at the man. You ignore her, then you treat her like some doxy. You're clearly trying to dismiss her obvious worth and skills. I don't need you to defend me, Luna spat the words at the wizard. Of course you don't, Moggins drew back, holding up his hands and gestured at her. Just look at you. It's obvious that you can defend yourself, and all the rest of us, too, if it came to that. You're skilled with your weapon, trained by the priestesses of Aretha. You're well-armored and equipped, and you have a great head on your shoulders. Well, yeah, she said. Thank you, I guess. And it's a pretty head, too, no matter what Gunther says, Moggitz added. What? Gunther and Luna said together. Oh, look, Moggitz pointed ahead. We're here. And the village sent out a welcoming party. A group of townsfolk approached. There were about a dozen of them, all wielding pitchforks or hoes, marching towards the small group with dour and distrustful looks on their faces. What do you want? The spokesperson was a gaunt man who was tall enough that anyone would have to look up to him if he wasn't hunched with years of hard labor in the fields. Moggett stepped forward, gestured grandly, spread his arms, and smiled widely. We're here to solve your spider problem, the wizard said. <clears throat> Gunther grunted. I am the leader of this party, and I shall speak for the group. The barbarian turned to the gathered committee of country folk. My dear peasants, Gunther began. Peasants? A woman's shrill voice tinged with age cut through the greeting. Why does he think we're peasants? Does he know us? No, Meemaw, replied a thick man in a leather apron with arms like tree trunks. He's just making assumptions like they all do. I don't even know why we come out here to greet them anymore, the elderly, elderly woman spent. They're just going to die horribly, but at least that gets us a respite from the spider raids for a week or so. Indeed, 
a man gurgled. It's like a sacrifice. Gives us a break. I still miss Jimmy. We're sorry we had to stake him outside the town last month. He always told good jokes and was the best butcher we ever had. Marty was good, another man commented. Yeah, he was okay, Gurgle Guy said. But he always cut the mutton steaks crooked, and that made them cook unevenly. Excuse me, Gunther said, pausing for effect to no effect. The villagers continued to reminisce over lost town folks and bad meals. People! Luna bellowed. Every single person fell silent and looked at the warrior priestess. That's better. She stood up taller, pulled her shoulders back, and put her fists on her hips. Now, the old woman said, she's got presents. Really gets your attention. And look at that breastplate. Draws the eyes without thinking of what's underneath. The twins could be floppy, they could be full and pouting, or they could be twin pairs staring at the heavens themselves. And we'd never know. Never even consider it. The men of the village shifted uncomfortably, every single one of them, thinking of exactly that. Except Bert, who eyed Gunther appreciatively. We're going to talk with her, the old lady said. Go on, honey. Tell us what you want to say. It's okay. That side of beef you're traveling with will keep his beef flap shut and let you take the lead. Won't you, meathead? Oh, Gunther mumbled. That's what I thought, the woman cackled. Moggins giggled. Well, then, Luna shifted uncomfortably. Let's see, um, where should I start? Spiders, Mang suggested. Yes, Luna nodded. If we could accompany you fine folks to the town, perhaps we can settle this with a nice tankard of ale, and you can tell us what's been going on here. The more we know, the better we'll be able to help you save your village. And maybe you can tell us a few stories. The old lady grinned up at the priestess, showing all seven of her remaining teeth. I bet you have a parcel of adventures and deeds just waiting to be sung about by the skulls and bards. The elderly lady thrust her arm around Luna's, pulling the warrioress up against her bony frame and tottering back towards the village. I'm Tiggy, the crone grinned. Now go on. Tell me more about what you want from us here in the delightful hamlet of Salami. Hours later, in an inn that shared a common room with the stable, the adventurer sat on wobbly benches with clay mugs full of foaming brew. Flecks of black floated in the head of the ale, and may have been bits of dirt, dead bugs, or just detritus from the long-used barrels in which the ale was aged for a minimum of seven days, and sometimes as long as a fortnight. Tiggy, the village elder, had settled sleeping arrangements for the party, ordered food, and stuck close to Luna every moment, even for the frequent forays to the privy, which was more of a covered outdoor trench with wooden beams set at two heights that help you squat to relieve yourself. Barney the blacksmith, who had called Tiggy Meemaw earlier, was speaking. The spiders came from the sky, the man was saying, floating down on clouds of webs. Now I know we've all seen this before. Every spring and fall, normal spiders 
and the ones here are far from normal. Once they hatch, push out webs from their teeny little hineys, and the wind catches them like sheets on a line. They're carried away to land somewhere and do all the things spiders do. Right? The crowd of villagers, about three dozen in total, cheered in agreement and raised their mugs. Every single person swallowed as much ale as they could every time Bernie asked if he was correct in something he'd said. The group had to follow suit because of the age-old adage of when in Rome mode, do as the Romers do, which is to follow local customer risk being lynched. Gunther swayed on his rickety bench, his massive forearm leaning far to one side, then backwards, threatening to tip the whole pew. Mogitz sat beside the barbarian, lending a helping hand to keep the man upright. Also, unnoticed by the warrior or the crowd, switching mugs with the man so that the wizard never imbibed more than a few sips before needing a refill. Moist Manx sat in the corner, leaning against the three slats of a fence that separated the livestock from the dining area. He pressed the miniature gramophone to his ear and glared at everyone with bleary eyes over the rim of a mug in his other hand. Luna was still in the clutches of Tiggy, who refused to let the priestess out of her sight. Even when the old woman needed to visit the privy, she insisted that the younger woman join her. She claimed it was a custom for women to always go to the laboratory in groups, and that she needed help walking and that the breastplate was a shining beacon that helped her find her way to a better place. These beasts, though, Bernie continued, they weren't like the other normal little poofs of spiders that arrived in silky pockets of silk. They were huge, and they fell from the sky by the dozens. I guess it's a good thing, because it was hundreds like normal spiders. I don't think any of us would be here today. Am I right? The crowd roared again, and everyone threw back their drinks. They scattered, some coming into our delightful little home of Salami, and others finding their way to the abandoned tower not too far from here. Bernie pointed in one direction, indicating where the tower stood. Tilting his head and leaning precariously to one side, he spun and pointed in another direction. He smiled and nodded. They gathered there, he continued, and we avoided that place. After all, there's plenty of woods in the other direction, and it wasn't near our crops. Live and let live and all that. Or live and don't die by poking the spider's nest. Am I right? Mogitz added. A crowd cheered, and everyone quaffed their drinks again. Bernie frowned, unsure of that was proper protocol. With a shrug, he took a drink from his own vessel and went on. Soon, the spiders began hunting villagers. We lost Toodles, the seamstress, Ilky, the bobbin maker. And at first, we just thought the things were just targeted at people associated with weaving. Maybe a professional rivalry type of thing. But then they took Winky. Oh, poor old Winky. He was a mare, and thought he could slay the monsters by setting fire to the tower. Well, Bernie struggled with the words for a moment. He was wrong. He was caught in the blaze, but he didn't die. He made it back to town. 
and would have survived it, too. Except a half dozen of the things came and dragged him away. Magic! A new voice cut through the man's story, and the crowd looked up with a gasp. Oh, fiddlesticks, Tiggy muttered. Not her again. A middle-aged woman in fine clothes that had seen better days about a decade ago stood in the doorway of the public house. Her hair was pulled up in a matted bun, twisted dreadlocks wound around themselves. I am Wilhelmina, the woman chanted in a sing-song voice. And oh, the things I've seen her. The future and the past, dangers and spiders as a mast. Is this all going to be in rhyme? Luna asked, leaning heavily on Tiggy. Yep. Ah. The old woman sighed and nodded. And she won't stop until she's finished. So we just let her go on. Oh, Luna moaned. Women and men have died in pain, the newcomer said. In light of day or dark of rain. Let me explain how the spiders reign. Get to the point of the tale, Moggett sang, the crowd looking towards him. We'll all agree you're right, and drink some ale. As the wise wizard said, she continued, I'll tell you how the people end up dead. The Tower of Magic has called to the beasts and they gather souls to it as treats. For the real monster lies within, and is a prisoner in his own right, and that is where the tale did begin. But heroes did come, and they did fall, no one conquering the evil, until y'all. As we gather here tonight, you shall free us. Am I right? The woman fell silent. After the briefest of pauses, the crowd went wild, cheering, stamping, clanking clay mugs, and then all fell silent to empty said mugs. So, Moggett's voice rose in the quiet, does anyone think we can get a few things to help your prophetess's words come to pass? Hours later, Gunther leaned against Moggett's fetid breath, stinking of bitter, underaged ale, and his words slurred. I ought to bring glory. The barbarian paused to hiccup, then continued. What? To my family's name. It's not easy either. Man, I expect a lot. I like kill things, not die, and do other things. Fascinating, Moggett said, leaning away to avoid the spittle flying from the party leader's mouth. You're a good friend, Moggshitz, Gunther grinned, leaning in and closing the distance between himself and the wizard. I called you Moggshitz, which is like Moggshitz, but I said Moggshitz instead of Moggshitz. Oh! Hey, you could be Mogshit's faced. 
but I digress. As I was saying, you're not a good man. You're a bastard. But you're a good friend. I see how you looked out for everyone. Even if you're a fraud. Did your daddy love you, Gunther? Moggins asked. He only wanted the best for me. The big man threw an arm around the wizard. But I could never live up to his reputation. It was hard. Living in the shadow of such a great man. He was amazing. Always beating people and chings. And that was all said in past tense, my muscle-bound companion. Has he gone on to a better place? Moggus asked. No. Gunther drew the word out, and warm, moist air washed over Moggett's face, which scrunched up under the effort. Um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. He's dead. He walked onto that great feast hall in the sky. Like, you know, he's drinking and stuff with the gods and bagging virgins. Burgons. Virgins. Yeah, virgins. Because he's great. Yeah, I know what you mean. Mogus looked around for help, or a way out from this unexpected bonding session with a man who outweighed him by almost double. Luna had left with Tiggy, the offer of a better place to sleep tempting her away from a corner in a stable-slash-common-room-slash-straw-covered-and-ale-stained-floor-of-a-public-house. Moist Manx was curled into a crescent shape against a sheep, sandwiched on the other side by a watery-eyed mule. The beast of burden blinked at Moggett's, and the wizard wondered if he could switch places with the creature without Gunther noticing. But it was interesting to have the barbarian pouring his heart out to a drinking buddy, who'd had less than two mugs in the past six hours. Moggett's had slipped the noose of spilling his own background in history. It was always astounding to him how easy that was to do. All you had to do was ask the right question, and suddenly the person asking you was telling you all about their own worries, past, concerns, hopes, or dreams. It was always about them, without fail. The wizard didn't mind, though. Not really. It allowed him to gather information without revealing anything about himself. And that was always better, wasn't it? The big guy droned on, talking about his childhood, how he trained with swords since his fifth birthday, killed his first beast at nine, slew his first marauder at fifteen, to the disappointment of his father, who thought that was much too late, and struck out on his own by age eighteen. The barbarian had so much pressure on him to do something great, and soon, that it boggled Moggetts. Why didn't the big guy just raise the one-fingered salute to everyone, tell them to bugger themselves, and go live his own life instead of trying to fulfill everyone else's expectations of who he should be? It took more than an hour before Moggetts could escape the disturbing bonding ritual. Once he had, though, he had enough information, dirt, and knowledge of the man who thought he led the group that the wizard could have rode that pony until the cows came home. But Moggetts knew he wouldn't use 
all the stuff he learned. At least, not much, and not often. It was better to be selective in such things. To abuse it would be to lose it, and Moggett's never lost it. Not more than once. And that had already happened once before. A long time ago. You know a spot. But not just a spot. The spot. Actually, with the all-new Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots? Being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the all-new 2022 Nissan Frontier. With standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-foot of torque. 